I really struggle with this. How do I respond to my parish priest when he does something that is clearly an abuse of power or even something that is not liturgically appropriate, for example? I mean, I can think of many different scenarios. I guess the scenarios are endless because our human frailty is endless. But God's mercy is also endless. I guess I really don't struggle too much with this at all. It's, it's very clear to me that the owner of the plantation is quite all right with the weeds growing alongside the wheat and that the job of separation is not up to his servants nor is it meant to take place until the end. And every time I am faced with the mistakes or sinfulness of another, I am faced with my own sinfulness, which is no better. And every time I catch myself trying to remove a sliver from someone else's eye, I lose sight of what I'm doing because of the weight of the 2x4 in my own eye. So why do we have people out there who think that they can police the church? I can imagine what blog posts and tweets would have been like in the time of Jesus. Jesus had dinner at a tax collector's house and this was an unrepentant tax collector. Jesus needs to watch better who he hangs out with. Or Jesus interfered in the stoning of a woman who had been caught in adultery. If he can't throw the first stone, I will. Perhaps there can be a blog titled modernpharisee.com. I can think of many possible blog posts complaining about Peter who denied Jesus or Judas who betrayed him. The church is not perfect. Well, neither were the 12 apostles. There will always be imperfections in our church because there will always be imperfection in me. Let's pray for each other so that the Lord, who came not to bring condemnation but to bring salvation, continues to guide us as people of God to be church and to be one church. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to a new season of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man and here with me is Krista Matrinko. This is season four, Chris. Can you believe it? No, I can't. I know, me neither. Wow. It's amazing. Did you have a good summer? Well, it was okay. Oh, come on. Well, not everyone could go to World Youth Day, yeah, Pedro. Yeah, just because you were here holding the yeah. fort. We needed mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. here to hold yeah. the... All right, whatever. Um... <laughs> What uh, do we have to look forward to in our news today? Well, there's been a big development uh, in the situation regarding the Society of St. Pius X. Right. If you don't know who they are, we'll explain yep. that yep. for you. Uh, the Pope talked about uh, a psalm today. He gave a beautiful reflection on a psalm, not today, sorry, earlier this week. And, uh, and we've got advice for families who, who want to help their kids follow God's call, whatever that might be. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. That's uh, looking forward to that. So that's coming up. And also today, Mark Matthews returns. I know he's a good friend of yours. Yes. He's our Hollywood mm-hmm. undercover missionary. He's got uh, some good advice for us today, especially aspiring script writers. He's going to be uh, sharing that with us. And Sheridan will be joining us for the diocesan update. And as you know, Lawrence's time with us here at Salt and Light is over. He was mm-hmm. only here for a year. But uh, Andrew Santos is our new saint specialist. It's good because his last name is Santos. Mm -hmm. Very Um, appropriate. Yes, and he's going to be here in about 20 minutes. Um, And now, did you know that there's a new private Catholic school in Regina? 
um, but it's for marginalized inner city youth. So we're going to be speaking with the man who brought this school to Regina, and that's in our second half hour. And today we also get to meet a, a new, uh, I guess he is kind of new, singer-songwriter Tim Margiotta. He is our featured artist this week. Um, so here he is with his song, Help Me Lord, from his new album, his first album, Make a Venture. The exam is tomorrow, and I'm not prepared. She has the answer key, do I dare walk into the party? And what do I find? The bottle's being passed, the turn is mine. I shouldn't have stayed out, I know it's real late. If I slide into bed, then no one will wake. Every day it seems, another decision is waiting for me. with his song Help Me Lord. Now Tim will be with us in the second half hour of the program in about 15 minutes. Uh, what's good about Hollywood with Mark Matthews. But first, Chris, you're still here. So yes. let's, let's hear about those news items. Well, first of all, a big development in the situation with the Society of St. Pius X. Who are they? Well, they're uh, a group in the church who didn't... Uh, uh, except many of the reforms of the Second Vatican Council. Mm. Uh, they continue to celebrate Mass using the extraordinary form, uh, which is which is fine, except uh, the big problem back in 1988 was they went and ordained four bishops without the Pope's approval. And ever since then, uh, basically this has been, you know, the only real major schism uh, since Vatican II, and mm. since then the Church has been trying to reconcile with this group. Right. And uh, they've been having uh, discussions over the past few years, identifying d differences in doctrine and, and their different positions. And, uh, and finally, looks like it's, it, the issue has come to a head. And uh, on the 14th, there was a meeting at the offices of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith 
in the Vatican, so mm-hmm. the office that deals with issues relating to uh, doctrine and, and orthodoxy. And the head of that congregation met with Bishop Bernard Follet, who was the head of the Society of St. Pius X. Now, uh, uh, the head of the CDF, Cardinal Leveda, William Joseph Leveda, he gave the SSPX what's called a doctrinal preamble. And what is that? It's basically a, a short document, a couple of pages, that defines principles and criteria for interpreting Catholic doctrine. And uh, so basically looking at how do we interpret doctrine in a way that's faithful to official Catholic teaching. Mm. And so basically it's, it's, uh, it's almost like sort of a, a credo, like a, a way for, to try to get you know, this group of people to, to accept it. And so that that is basically the standard by which they can become fully reconciled into the church again. And so now... Um, the Society of St. Pius X, they're in the position where they have to decide whether they can accept what's in this document. Uh, but the document, though, Pedro, is is totally secret. So no one knows exactly what's in it. But uh, Bishop Fillet, even though he, he says he can't really talk about it, he says that it, it doesn't really make clear in the document what is Catholic dogma and what can be questioned. And so the big question is, um, if they disagree with Vatican II, how much can they right. disagree with Vatican right. II? And we still don't know. And uh, the spokesperson for the Vatican press office, uh, he said that, you know, you know, the end goal is basically to, uh, to, to hopefully make uh, the Society of St. Pius X something called a personal prelature. Mm-hmm. So that's um, uh, Opus like Dei. Opus, yeah. Opus Dei is, that's, the that's their, f- yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so they're, uh, they're not really under diocesan control, but they're sort of mm-hmm. a separate entity within the church. Interesting. Now, uh, turning to the general audience, uh, and, and in general, the Pope's activities this past week. He was in Ancona on the Adriatic coast mm-hmm. um, this past weekend. Then he went back to his summer residence, and then on Wednesday went back to Rome for the general audience. Uh, and he's continuing his series of catechesis on prayer, and this time he did a reflection on Psalm 22. And uh, in, in that psalm, uh, the Pope says that an innocent man is presented who is persecuted. And, uh, but the psalmist can't believe that God would abandon him. And, uh, and so he ends up making an, an affirmation of faith. If you go to the Vatican website, you can find the whole reflection. It's really beautiful. Now, next week, the Pope is going to Germany. And that starts on Thursday. Of course, Salt and Light will be uh, providing full coverage of that, uh, the, his trip to Germany uh, starting next Thursday. It's a four-day trip. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Pedro, we've got one minute left, I know. And, uh, and I mean, you're a parent. How do you help your children know what God's call is for them? It's a, it's a good one. I think for us, it's mostly, uh, I mean, you teach them a little bit, but it's also just example. They see mm-hmm. how you live married life, for mm-hmm. example, or they see how you live your work life and, 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 but yeah, it's, uh, that's a difficult, uh, for a lot of parents. I mean, I don't know how much kids worry about that, but I mean, they've got their whole lives ahead of them. They've got some big decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Well, the Catholic organization of life and family here in Canada has issued a, a new, uh, a new guide, yeah. a document to help people with this. It's called families. Did you know love is calling your children? And, and I like that. I love love that. is calling. It's a great them. title. And, uh, and it, and it, it, it goes through some of the different paths for young people to consider marriage, the priesthood, uh, living as a consecrated religious or living as a celibate single person. Mm-hmm. And uh, the message says that since every child is unique and irreplaceable, 
they also each have a unique mission. So this is something young people need to know. Yeah. And it's, uh, the message also affirms that it's in the family that children come to know and trust God. And so that's where they learn to love Jesus and, and to follow him uh, towards that unique vocation. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good uh, pamphlet. In fact, next week we're going to be uh, learning more about it. Michel Boulevard of the Catholic Organization of Life and Family will be our guest on this oh, show. Oh, perfect. I didn't so know that. No, well, it's that great. So we're going to get a chance to talk because it's a great document. I just finished reading it yesterday. Um, uh, so thank you very much for that. Krista Matrenko, our trusty Salt and Light Radio news producer. Um, and for our dear listeners, let us know what you think about what you hear on this program. Remember, you can send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And coming up is Sheridan with the updates from across the country. But before that... Our Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Pedro. Thanks for the hospitality. <laughs> All right. So, coming up on Tuesday, September the 20th, uh, we celebrate the memorial of St. Andrew Kim. Ah. Now, uh, just just a little bit of information on this really interesting this interesting guy, this interesting saint. Yeah, a lot who, of people probably have never heard of him. Yeah, who, well, you know, I've heard Koreans of Koreans probably have heard of him. Oh, yeah. it, he's very well known in the Korean Catholic population. Yeah. Um, so good to, you know, tell you a little bit more about St. Andrew. So, sure. St. Andrew Kim was born in the year 1821, and uh, he died in 1846. So if you do the math, he lived a very young life. Yeah. Uh, he was Korea's firstborn Catholic priest. And as the 18th century went on, uh, Roman Catholicism uh, was spread throughout Korea with the help of some lay people. Uh, fast forward to 1836, consecrated missionaries arrived in Korea, but they had realized that Catholicism had already taken hold in the country. Uh-huh. Now, Pedro, we know that um, St. Andrew Kim uh, was a St. Andrew Kim's parents were converts to Catholicism. Okay. And interestingly enough, his father was martyred for sharing his faith. Um, really? Something that was banned by the authorities of Korea during that time. Right. So when Kim turned 15, uh-huh. he was baptized. Good to hear. Mm-hmm. And he began to study at the seminary in Macau. Macau, which um, uh, is very well known as being a Portuguese colony. Uh-huh. Interestingly enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Just to um, note to our listeners, Andrew is Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> now, St. Andrew Kim um, was ordained in Shanghai, China in the year 1845. Okay. So when Catholicism and, I guess, Christianity in general was swept under the rug and it was suppressed, Kim was among many others in China who were persecuted and killed for their faith. In China? Yeah, in China. Interesting. So it was during that time that uh, Kim was executed, and actually more specifically, he was tortured as well as beheaded on the Han River, wow. which is near Seoul, yeah. South Korea. Yeah. He was 25 years old. Hmm. So um, something that is well noted um, are his last words before he died. So he said, and I quote, If I had held communication with foreigners, it has been for my religion and for my God. It is for him that I die. My immortal life is on the point of beginning. Become Christians if you wish to be happy after death because God has eternal chastisements in store for those who have refused to know him. 
Wow. And that was from St. Andrew Kim. So on May 6th, in the year 1984, Pope John Paul II, our dear late Holy Father, uh, canonized him as St. Andrew Kim. And he did that um, and canonized also 103 other Korean yeah. martyrs. Yeah, yeah. And that was during his papal trip to Korea. Huh. How beautiful. Yeah, it is. Wow. So. And it's, I mean, it's amazing because Korea, South Korea at least, is a very Catholic country. A lot oh, yeah. Of, a lot of hardcore Catholic uh, Koreans out yeah, there. Yeah, and so I know a lot of Korean yeah. Catholics, actually. Well, so. we have a few, two of them working here at Salt and Light. Yeah. Um, so, oh, wow, great. good. So, so we celebrate St. Andrew Kim's Day on uh, Tuesday, September the 20th. Mm -hmm. So coming up very soon. Yeah, well, very good. So I guess that's a, a, an, an opportunity to celebrate uh, in memory of St. Andrew Kim, mm -hmm. not just uh, the church in Korea, but the church in all those countries, I mean, China, that's still persecuted. Yeah, still exactly. uh, very much an underground church. Very much so. Um, and even in, in other places that we think uh, the church should be okay, uh, Catholics are persecuted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, well, good. Thank you. Andrew Santos, Andrew Kim. So he's a bit of a uh, patron for you, yeah. namesake. Yeah, very much so. Andrew Santos, thank you very much. Um, Andrew Santos, our, our new saint specialist. Mr. Santos. Wonderful, thank um, you. So thank you very much. Now, coming up is uh, what's good in Hollywood, so stick around. Hi, I'm Anna DaCosta, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann, and coming up is Sheridan with our diocesan update, but first... What's good in Hollywood? with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome back. It's, Pedro. It's, it's, it's the fall. It's cold here, but warm in L.A., so what's... what's... Oh, very warm. I was just at the beach last week, Are you it serious? Not. Yeah, it's like freezing yeah. here today. I don't know. It's beautiful here. It's never winter. Never winter. So what's good in Hollywood other than the warm weather? So what I want to talk about today is good storytelling. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And uh, this, this is something that I harp on all the time. Um, and, you know, you might ask, well, ultimately, you know, why does good storytelling or good movies matter at all? Um, and ultimately, the best analogy we can draw uh, comes from our faith, and that is that they are parables. Yeah. Um, and a parable allows us, it teaches us a lesson about life without having us to experience all the pain and suffering. Um, and that lesson ultimately shapes the people uh, who watch them. And uh, I guess it's not really any surprise uh, that there are lots of bad parables being made out there already today. Yeah, because they're not seeing them as parables. That's a very good advice. Right there, you've given us good advice. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, you know, I think it's only fair uh, that, you know, if I'm going to, you know, kind of harp on, you know, well, why do we need to make good stories? You know, that I try and explain what a good story is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and why some of these uh, movies or parables are so bad. Um, so to be completely honest, um, I've always felt far more comfortable writing an equation than I have a limerick. Um, <laughs> but, but while I've been out here, I've learned a thing or two about uh, storytelling. Um, and one of the very good ways, or good, very good story starting points for trying to understand what a good story is, is uh, turning to the great mind of Aristotle, 
who came up with his seven golden rules of storytelling. Okay, good. So what are, what are Aristotle's seven golden rules? Seven golden rules. So in order, these are plot, character, theme, dialogue, music, decor, and spectacle. Okay. And I'm not going to talk about all of these, but I'm going to talk about some of the most important ones. Okay. So, so plot? The, the, yes, the first plot. Plot, it, Aristotle says, is the most important. And it's very easy to say these things, but difficult to execute them. So what you need to have in a good plot is you need to have a beginning where a world is set up and a world with rules. You need to be introduced to the characters, and you need to see those characters placed into some sort of intriguing conflict. You need to have a middle where, you know, the conflict progresses and develops, and then finally an ending where this conflict is resolved in some, you know, novel way and in a way that leads to new possibilities. It feels like a new beginning. And similarly, or along that line, too, uh, a good story is like a good sports game. You need to have lots of changes of fate and surprises along the way. Um, you know, that's a good sports game. You don't know the ending or how it's going to turn out until the very end, and it's the same thing with a good plot. Right, right. And uh, e- examples of this might be, say, like a Christopher Nolan film, like Batman Begins or right. Inception. You know, they're very intricate plot and very exciting to watch. Yeah, right, and conflict, I guess. That's probably the most important one. So what else? Yes. So you have to have character, and this is perhaps almost as important as plot. Um, you need to have a character who goes through not only this external journey of plot, but you also have to have him go through an internal journey. You can see what's going on in his heart and in his mind. Um, and you need to be able to sympathize with him and understand why he's making the choices that he is. Um, a good example of this might be, say, a movie like The Lives of Others, that chronicles the life of an East German spy. Uh-huh. Um, and it's fascinating because you understand you know, why he's spying on innocent people. Right. Uh, and then finally, you need to have a theme, which is essentially answering the question, well, why am I watching this film? Um, the story has to essentially reveal some great universal truth that's going to be applicable to people in all times and places. Right. Yeah. And then the last point, which Aristotle puts at the very end, is spectacle. And now this is what I love, because this is essentially visual effects. This is, you have to have it be a sort of a visual and aural experience. Um, And Hollywood is fantastic at these things. Um, But unfortunately, I think Hollywood sometimes gets the order wrong. Well, not sometimes, very often. Um, And you don't have to look too far. Just think of like a Michael Bay film, which is basically all about spectacle and very little about plot. Yeah, yeah. So so the the, uh, elements are not just important, but the order in that the priority is also important. Exactly, yeah. So plot, character, and theme are the most important. And that's why I talked about those. So, you know, I'm hoping this gives, you know, we all know when we're moved by a good story, and hopefully this will help us to understand why. So this is uh, some guidelines to help inform your movie-watching choices. Well, that's good. And it's also uh, guidelines to help inform some script-writing choices in case we have any <laughs> aspiring exactly. Catholic uh, script-writers out there helping them. Here, Mark Matthews, helping you make good films. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Well, there from you go. From equation geek to story consultant. I know, from spectacle guy to... Uh animation guy anyway mark that's great this is really good advice uh uh thank you you very much so mark matthews is our hollywood undercover missionary he's uh helping us write good scripts and he joined us on the phone from his home in la you're listening to salt and light radio on the catholic channel on sirius xm
I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook and on Twitter. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And you can download our podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and also on iTunes. And now it's time for our diocesan update. Here is Sheridan. Hi, Pedro. It's so great to be back. Good. Did you have a good summer? Yes, I did. I was, just came back from Madrid, so it was wonderful. <laughs> Madrid, yes. Yeah. I um, saw you there, I think. <laughs> World Youth Day. <laughs> um, anyway, so it's back to school for most people. <laughs> yes. So why not brush up on your faith? And I've been checking out what's been going on. And I'm very impressed because there are tons of great lectures, workshops, conferences. And not to mention, the third edition of the New Roman Missal goes into full effect this fall, um, the first Sunday of Advent, the November the 22nd. So there are a lot of workshops on that. Okay. And also the germ is available, a.k.a. the general, the general instruction, instruction for the, yeah, the Roman yeah, Missal. Yeah, yeah, I know. Most and people don't know what a germ is except... <laughs> the doctor, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and along with the CCCB approved musical settings, it's all available at romanmissile.ca. Okay, yes. And uh, there are tons of resources. Salt and Light will be... Yes, uh, actually, Salt and Light has been working with the National Liturgy Office of the Canadian Catholic uh, Conference of Bishops to prepare some uh, video resources. Uh, people are going to be getting so much information if they haven't already in their parishes yeah. and schools about this new translation, the mm -hmm. new missal, and, of course, with the new missal comes the new instructions because yeah. the priests need to know what to, uh, do. what to do. And it's not just us that we need to know what we have, how to respond. But, uh, so yeah. there's also big news uh, Father Robert Barron from Word on Fire and uh, creator and host of the new documentary se series called Catholicism. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be speaking at this year's Kelly Lecture at St. Michael's College at the University of Toronto. Uh -huh. And the topic's going to be Evangelized Culture, and that's September the 28th. Okay. And for more information, you can check out stmikes.utoronto.ca. Okay, great. So that's next Wednesday, September 28th. Yeah, that's September the 28th. And um, this is an open event, so you'll want to make sure that you get there early because mm -hmm. there's only limited seating. And uh, pop quiz, what's a red mass? Pop quiz for me. Yes. What's a red mass? I, I know this one. The red mass is the mass for all the lawyers yes. and judges. And it originated in the Middle Ages. And St. Thomas More? Um, possibly. No. Yeah. Is he but the patron? Yeah. Uh, yes, actually, I he did see that. I yes. did see that. So um, it's to request the guidance of the Holy Spirit for all who seek justice. And uh, huh. that's going to be held in Vancouver. A Red Mass will be celebrated with Archbishop Miller on September the 22nd at Holy Rosary Cathedral. And uh, that's brought to you by the Archdiocese of Vancouver and Association of uh, Local Catholic Lawyers. Okay. And check out rcav.org for more information. And are you, sorry, you were just telling me that you think that this might be the first Red Mass. Because there are so. Red Masses in dioceses, uh, in, in various dioceses, but yeah. this might be the very first one that takes place in Vancouver. Yeah, that was my impression okay. from the listing. And uh, in Edmonton, Alberta, the 29th annual Scripture Fest will be held September the 24th. And that's Archbishop McDonald High School in Edmonton. The theme is A Disciple Listens to God's Word. Keynote speaker, Archbishop Terence Prendergast of Ottawa, and he's going to focus on Bourbon Domini, Pope Benedict's exhortation on the word of the Lord. For more details, check out caedm.ca. Okay, so the 24th, that's next Saturday, yeah. right? Um, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, this fall, um, Bishop Don Bowen will visit each of the deaneries in the diocese to discuss his um, Building Pathways of Hope. That's the bishop's annual appeal. All are welcome to attend, and um, you get to hear all about the important ministries supported by the appeal. And uh, you can check out uh, when that's going to be happening at saskatoonrcdiocese.com. Excellent, yeah. And then in Montreal is a conference entitled uh, Trauma and Transformation. 
discrimination, the Catholic Church, and the sexual abuse crisis. Mm -hmm. And McGill University's Center for Research on uh, Religion has partnered with a couple of community partners, and uh, including the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops. And this conference is designed for anyone, uh, spe specifically, um, you know, lay professionals, clergy, anyone who's in public policy, and it's all addressing the sexual abuse crisis. And uh, that's going to be happening Friday and Saturday, October the 14th and 15th at McGill University. For details, check out uh, diocesemontreal.org. So, uh, you know, just a reminder, you know, check out your local diocese events listings. It's a great opportunity, you know, attend those Catholic events, you get to meet so many cool people and, you know, deepen your faith. And so, uh, yeah, Oops. it's a great fall. Yes, very good. There's lots going on. Uh, so thank you very much, Sheridan. Uh, now, coming up in our second half hour, a conversation with Paul Hill about the new Nativity Miguel Academy in Regina and also a featured chat with our uh, Artist of the Week, Tim Majotta. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to part two of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, last Tuesday was the first day of school for children all over North America. But for a group of inner city kids in Regina, Saskatchewan, it was more than a first day of school. It's a new school, a school that's promising to offer them more than math and the ABCs. The motivation behind establishing this school came from Paul Hill, chairman president and CEO of Harvard Developments, Inc., the Hill Companies. I spoke to Mr. Hill earlier this week. Paul, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you for having me. So uh, a lot of our listeners, uh, probably I'm thinking most of our listeners, have never heard of Nativity Miguel Network of Schools. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what those schools are? Yes, the Nativity Miguel Network of Schools uh, is a network of 64 schools in the United States focused on um, inner cities, uh, ethnic groups. Uh, some areas uh, are black, some areas are Hispanic, some areas are Aboriginal, some other ethnic groups. But it's inner city, uh, poverty-stricken, um, educa poor education cycle uh, kinds of uh, right. problems within the inner cities. And these schools have gone in and taken a, a population um, in grades 6, 7, and 8, 15 to 20 kids at a time. And um, that population normally has a dropout rate of 80 to 90 percent in high school. Okay. And they've been able to turn that around to an 80 to 90 percent pass rate through high school, and two-thirds of those go on to post-secondary education. So it's been a real game-changer uh, in those communities. And we now are bringing this to Canada. Now, is, is there a reason why they focus on that particular age group? Is it because they're just about to go into high school? Well, I think it's, um, I, I think they, it started, this, this network started with a school in New York uh, 40 years ago. Right. And I think they just discovered that kids in grades 6, 7, and 8 was the, in the essential time period in their life when they needed to get the technical right. skills the competency, 
this, the motivation, the self-awareness, all of those things to propel them uh, through high school. Uh, they found that many of the kids that got into high school quite often were hitting the wall. Uh-huh. They quit because, uh, for a lot of reasons, but some of the reasons were that they just couldn't you know, they just couldn't hack it. They just didn't have uh-huh. the skills and the learning ability to be able to get through. Right. Now, the name, Nativity Miguel, do you know where that name comes from? Well, um, you know, I should know. Um, <laughs> it's I, a very I interesting that, name, uh, yeah. I, I, think there was, um, I think there was a school that was at one time called the Nativity School, and I think there was another school that was called the Miguel School, right. and I think they combined it and it became known as the Nativity Miguel Network, although each right. of the schools have different names. Okay, yes. I'm here in Washington, D.C. today, and here it's the Washington Academy, they call it. Right. Now, and there is a connection with the Society of Jesus, with the Jesuits, correct? Yes. Uh, the Jesuits are involved in um, something like 16 to 18 of the schools directly. Okay, um, and uh, I think the the first school in New York was also a Jesuit, but uh, there are other. Uh, they're all faith based uh, schools. They're all uh, Christian values, uh-huh. but uh, some of them are. There's some Episcopalian uh, sponsors. Okay. There's okay. Uh, some other religious group sponsors, uh, and and of course uh, lay sponsors. Right. So, um, so, uh, so it's not as Jesuits are involved in um, in. Um, you know, in, in more than any of the other groups. Right, but, uh, exactly. Okay, how did you become involved then? Well, it goes back many years ago uh, when Carol and I were in India. Uh-huh. And uh, we, were, uh, we met Mother Teresa along right. with a, a number of other CEOs. And uh, she came into the room and she was, you know, she looks very frail, very short, very hunched over. And uh, they put a little box uh, behind a microphone. She climbed up on the box, and she got behind that microphone. And within a minute, she just commanded uh, the attention of everybody in that room. They were mesmerized by her comments. And by the end of her comments, people were clamoring, how can we help you, Mother Teresa? And, of course, many of them thinking, well, you know, can we send you some money, or can we do something? And she said, I don't want your money. He said, what I want you to do is go back to your own community, identify the greatest need, and I want you to give of yourself and your resources to that need. Yeah. So that's stuck in our minds. Mm-hmm. I knew what the greatest need in our community was. There is no doubt the inner city of Regina, which is substantially Aboriginal, Aboriginal but there yeah. are other ethnic groups as well. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a cycle of poverty, crime, uh, dropout rates similar to what uh, we talked about earlier. Yeah. And uh, but didn't know what to do about it. You know, there's lots of programs. Uh-huh. They're very good programs. The existing school system works very hard at what they do, but you know, it's just uh, it's a circumstance that's got a lot of obstacles to overcome. Uh-huh. So one day, I was in California, and uh, I was invited to uh, home where the uh, Jesuit community of the province of Oregon, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, the yeah, I think they called it their Oregon province, yeah, yeah. Um, were in attendance. And through a, the conversation when they were describing some of the things they were involved in, the subject of the Nativity Miguel Network came up and the school that they have in Portland, Oregon. 
And I subsequently got interested in that, and I thought, wow, this uh, sounds interesting in terms of its outcomes. Right. And then I made contact directly with the school in Oregon and later on the, the full network, and and it became apparent that this could be, this concept, uh, with this level of success, could be a real game-changer in our community, and if we can do it in our community, it can happen in Winnipeg and Saskatoon and right, other communities absolutely. that have similar situations. So when you first found out about it, you were already interested in seeing how you could implement or help implement that in your own community in Regina. I didn't know what it was that I that I that needed to be done. I right. knew that it was I'd identified the greatest need in my mind uh-huh. and Carol's mind, but I didn't know what to do until the light bulb came on when we met this group in uh, uh, in California right. with the Jesuit community. Now, and, and then all of a sudden I said, aha, you know, if we could bring this concept to uh, Regina uh-huh. and get the same outcome that they're getting, this is a real yeah, game changer absolutely. for our community. So, and the, now the school in Regina, it opened this year in September yeah. is the first, first year it's open, and you've called it the Mother Teresa Middle School. So that's correct. We we spent uh, three to four years doing our due diligence, right? Uh, working with the, all the interested groups uh, in the community, including the school boards, and uh-huh. uh, it took us uh, a little longer than we anticipated. But uh, we wanted to make sure that our homework was done, and that we were well prepared uh, to kick this off. And so uh, we just opened it up this week. Now, and the first grade six class is now. Uh, in attendance. Okay, so so it is a middle school like you described earlier for grades six to eight, and yes. it's 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 for uh, economically disadvantaged uh, students, correct? Yes. In the in the kind of inner core of Regina, that's um, right. This school in Regina does have the sponsorship of the the Jesuits, correct? Yes. So, um, is it is it fair to say that it's a Catholic private school? How does that work? Yeah. <clears throat> well. It has the sponsorship of the Jesuits. Uh, obviously, it's inspired by Mother Teresa. Right. Mother Teresa inspired all religious faiths and all um, uh, religions around the world. I Absolutely. think everybody recognized that she Absolutely. was a living saint. Yeah, she was. And so um, there's no doubt that this is a Christian school with Christian values. Uh-huh and uh, sponsored by uh, the, the uh, Jesuits mm-hmm. and, of course, the inspiration of Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. But we accept students from all faiths. Right. And uh, so uh, within the existing population, the first class, um, maybe maybe half, maybe a little less than half, are, are come from a Catholic background, but that's not... Uh, um, a requirement. Right, um, right. In fact, we, we're very open. And the other thing is we expect to work with, um, when these kids uh, graduate from grade 8 and go on into high school, uh-huh. uh, some will go to Catholic high school, some will not. Some will go to, right to for the... instance, Luther. Yeah. Uh, Luther College in Regina is very interested in uh, helping and taking some of these students and, uh-huh. and working with them through high school. Right. So... Um, uh, we'll work with all all groups. I mean, the, the primary objective here is is one that Mother Teresa inspired us to achieve. Right. And uh, but it's definitely um, Christian values. Well, Paul, it sounds like a great initiative. Is is there a website where people can find out more? 
you know, I think a website has been set up, it's a, but yeah. I'm not com- literate in that area no, myself. No, I'll, I'll have to go. And, I'll, I'll and find I out. I think that you you can. I think you would be able to find it. Yeah, we'll find it anyway. It's the uh, Mother Teresa Middle School in Regina. Paul Hill, yes. uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, teaching us today a little bit about this new initiative, and and good luck. Keep doing what you're doing. Well, we're and we're hopeful that this will spread uh, to, as I say, other communities, uh, and and we have a lot of interest in other communities, and particularly when we get the results that we get uh, from our community, this will be a game changer in the other communities as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, thank you for having me. That was a conversation I had with Paul Hill, founder of the Mother Teresa Middle School in Regina, and there is a website. It's mtmschoolregina.com and for more information on the Nativity Miguel network of schools you can go to nativitymiguelschools.org we'll put both those addresses on our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio here now is Tim Margiotta with God Must Have a Guitar from his new album Make a Venture I'm here staring at my two kids Wondering what else can I do To entertain them while With one that's just arrived Got the other looking jealous and spiteful So I grab my old guitar As she grabs a dirty sock And puts it in her mouth but as I begin to strum, all the chaos is undone for a while. Though they're driving me insane, they just taught me something. I must have a guitar for those days when his children are going crazy. I must have a that he plays As he loves us just the way we are God must have a guitar When those little faces stare at me There's nothing I won't do or sing for my kids It's true I'll shot it out and whoa, I'll lock it out and ho, 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 till I'm blue in the face. Now he's waking from a nap and she's pulling out the trash that I just threw out. Though the whole house is a mess, I can't help but think I'm blessed by it all. Driving me insane They just taught me something God must have a guitar For those days When his children are going crazy God must have a guitar That he plays As he loves us Just the way we are God must have a guitar Patient love begin to smile Cause it take us the way we are Come us have a 
That was Tim Margiotta with his song, God Must Have a Guitar. Now, I love learning about new artists, and I'm always amazed at how many talented and God and church-loving singers and songwriters there are out there. Now, if you're in New Jersey and you've heard of Bold Youth Ministry, you may have heard of Tim Margiotta. And if you're familiar with Fiat Ventures, you may have heard of Tim Margiotta. But I've just learned about him because he's recorded his first album, and it's a really good album. He has this unique narrative style of songwriting that's it's very day-to-day. It, it kind of allows the listeners the opportunity to, to really reflect on different aspects of everyday life and everyday faith, which I, I really like that because I think that that's what our faith is. It's kind of the mundaneness. I don't mean that it's mundane writing, but it kind of deals with sort of those day-to-day things. Um, so I'm very happy to have Tim Margiata joining us now on Salt and Light Radio. Tim, welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. So this is your first album, but clearly you've been singing and writing songs for a while. So what, have, what were you doing before? Yeah, well, I guess I started learning a bunch of different instruments through school, you know, piano, trumpet, and uh, was singing in chorus. And, and when I picked up the guitar, um, you know, just learning some, some rock beats and, and things. And, and then I was asked to start playing for, for a youth group. And as I got, got towards the end of high school, I was asked to start leading a, a teen mass, a youth, a youth mass, a life teen mass. Okay. And that was where I, I started to get into contemporary Christian music, and, and that opened the door for me to write my own stuff. Okay, so this was around the time that you were involved with Bold? It was exactly. That... My first year at Bold, um, you know, at St. Vincent's, that's where, where I began with this life teen mass. Okay. And the year uh, 2000 was when I wrote my first song. And just for people who maybe are listening, uh, are kind of hearing this for the first time, so Bold, is that Bold one of the life teen... Uh, group? Um, Bold, Bold stands for Becoming Our Lord's Disciples, uh-huh. and, and that's the name of the youth group at St. Vincent de Paul. Okay, so that was uh, specific to that parish. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we have a team mass there. Okay, good. Are you still involved in that same mass in parish? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's my ninth year, actually. Um, wow. We just started last week with, with uh, a, you know, a, a contemporary group. I, I involve a lot of teams in, in the music group, and uh, it's my ninth year leading it. Okay, I was very intrigued by this whole Fiat Ventures because, of course, at first I thought Fiat, the car, but, of course, Fiat. <laughs> no. Mary's Fiat. Yeah, and, we, and we don't drive Fiat. <laughs> no, no, you don't. don't. So what is Fiat Ventures? Sure. Fiat Ventures, actually, um, for people to be doing um, ministry work, involved with retreats, uh, a great friend of mine, a youth minister, now works for the church, Jonathan Camiolo, uh, he really started running all these retreats, confirmation retreats, that are, are done around New Jersey. And another good buddy, Jeff Beer, um, we all ended up just doing ministry and, and using our gifts of music and, and media and anything else that, that we were involved in to just bring teens and youth to Christ. And so Fiat Ventures was started three years ago officially, but we've been doing it probably for nine years. And we run confirmation retreats and youth retreats and, and concerts around mainly New Jersey and the East Coast. Right. Now, were you, uh, I'm assuming you're an Italian background. Did you grow up in a Catholic household? Yes, I did. I did. Both of my parents uh, were firm, you know, Catholic Christians and um, really can't say enough of, of what they gave me as a, as a young kid. And, and they moved to this area of New Jersey where I'm at to put me in a school, Cornelia Academy, which yeah. is a, a private Catholic school. And and really my education there, my formation, and just uh, the character and, and experiences that I had in, in youth groups and at school 
uh, and, and my parents and family. I'm one of four, five kids, nice. so I, I had some brothers and sisters to, to help with my spiritual uh, journey, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that was, was huge in, in, in really bringing Christ to my heart. So, and I, and I presume huge in moving you to do what you're doing now. Exactly. Completely influential. I mean, I thank, I thank God for my parents, friends, every, everything that, that led me into, um, you know, picking up the guitar to, to where I'm at right now, where I'm, I'm teaching and, and I've got my bands and, and we just released this album and, you know, leading music for, for teens and, and helping out in, with various youth groups and, uh, and then having a wonderful wife and, and family, obviously, that, that nice. yeah, supporting me and living it with me. Of course. Now, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara. Man, we're speaking with our featured artist this week, Tim Margiotta. Now, Tim, this is, I keep saying it's, it's a new album, but it, of course it's a new album. It's your first album, your first recording. Yeah. Uh, um, w- tell us a little bit about the album. What's, what's unique about it? Sure. Um... It's really, I mean, the Lord has his story because I, I met the, the overall music supervisor for, for this project is a Catholic artist and producer, Rick Elias. Yeah. Rick was a, an original member of the Ragamuffins band with Rich Mullins. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. met him at, at a Catholic underground in New York City with the Franciscan Friars yeah. about eight years ago. Uh-huh. Um, I was there with a priest friend, Father Mike Jolie. And, and we just became friends. And, you know, we met at that night and we kept in touch over the years. And some, some doors started opening, and I, I'd always wanted to start recording some of the songs I had written. I, I really wrote very few songs. They're, as you said, they're, they're narrative, they're, they're experiences I had or, yeah. or a specific moment. And so I was building this collection of songs, and I, and I reached out to Rick, who, who lives in, around Nashville, Tennessee, and asked him if he would kind of supervise the whole project, and, and he agreed to. And so working with him and, and my local producer, Jeff Beer, um, we we really spent about a year and a half recording both in New Jersey and in Nashville, and then we flew out last summer and spent a week in Nashville to just finalize, you know, and worked in the mixing studio, and then it went to to get mastered and, and passed through a couple engineers' hands, and and it was last November that it was it was actually finished, completed, and we had a, a great release concert. Yeah, nice. And, and that's how it came about. Yeah, so. I mean, there. Are, I, I think of music for. There's different purposes. I mean, some songs are great to listen to. Some songs are certainly good for liturgy. Others. What, what do you think is, is 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 kind of the purpose of your music? What is what, what do you think is the hope? What is your hope for yeah. your music? You know, I I almost struggled with that exact question because I, I kept asking the Lord, Lord, what, how does my music fit? Because I get asked to write a theme song for a for a youth retreat. And I, I remember writing, it was one of my first songs, and it was just a total fail, because <laughs> it, was, it was too performance-driven, right. it, was, it was a story, and I'm trying to have these kids sing along with me. Yeah. And, and I was always, you know, questioning, Lord, how does this fit in? Because I'm leading at Mass and retreats, and, and my music doesn't fit in here. Right. And, and I started to find that, that it really is the, the best, you know, opportunity that, that people find to listen to my music is when we do an event... And we're able to put the lyrics up, and people are able to just kind of have a conversation with me, and and I share the the backstory to to the song, and I find that I just engage, I connect so personally with people in the audience and with listeners, um, because they're songs that that are they're deep. They're not, you know, your your light songs that it's kind of background music. Um, I'll play coffee houses, but but the shows that really I, I feel the Lord move and, and I really enjoy is when. 
it's it's let's get to some real stuff and it's it's everyday things but it, but they're very real things and, and so it's yeah it's music that it's kind of a story and a journey and i've i've been told and people have told me it, it's helped them to to really move forward in certain areas with the lord um yeah so definitely you know you have praise and worship music you have liturgy music and 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 my album each song has a very different topic that it kind of brings the listener through. And so it definitely has a unique spot, and I'm kind of curious to see how the Lord is going to continue to, to Yeah, it's, inter- it's, it's like, it's like, it's the kind of music that I, in a way, it's like, oh, I hate this because I actually have to listen to the lyrics. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I have to pay attention. It's like, wow. Like, and, and, and it's, 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 uh, it's image driven. Like you're singing about stuff and I could see it in my head. So that's when I was saying that it's like, it's like all these everyday things. It's like, I can really relate to what you're singing. Right. Cause it's so visual. Anyway, I don't know. That's just my take. Um, right. No, ex- exactly. Uh, uh, any, any, uh, yeah, I know that the albums just came out. You're probably still kind of getting it out there and marketing, uh, yeah. all that fun stuff, but anything new in the works for you? The yeah, second album? So- you know, we, we had to, to put a bunch of things on hold for, for a number of months because, unfortunately, I had a family member, my mom, that was very sick. Right. And, and so we kind of, you know, did some, some events, but, but put some initiatives on hold. And, and for the upcoming year, we definitely re- reconnected with, you know, Catholic Underground is run by the Franciscan Friars. Yeah. They have in Connecticut and New York, and um, there's some chapters starting in New Jersey, so we'll be, we'll be kind of making the scene in, in that arena. Um, and definitely I've, I've been in touch with just different you know, radio and, and, and television, backing tracks, whatever, you know, however anyone can use the songs. And, you know, youth groups, we're actually doing a lot of events, um, not only with youth groups, but with confirmation programs. Right. Um, where we'll, we'll come in and do a, a concert event, but kind of, you know, just speak with the, the kids and, and hopefully leave a CD with, with each of them so that they can go home and, and listen to it and, you know, try to bring not only... Some great music, but a, but a message of just an amazing God that, that cares about their lives. Well, that's important work. Um, uh, yeah, so I guess if people are interested in, in uh, you know, they've heard a few of your songs here today and they want to find out more about you, they can go to your website, timmargiotta.com. That's T-I-M-M-A-R-G-I-O-T-T-A.com. We're going to put that on our website as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Um, but people can also find you on iTunes, the album. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, make a venture. You're also on uh, MySpace. I found because yeah, I, MySpace, and, and there's a, a Facebook page that we're going to be doing some some cool uh, contests and events coming Excellent. up. Excellent. So in the fall. yeah, so Tim Margiotta, you can find him on Facebook, on MySpace. The album's on iTunes. Um, bring him to your youth group. Bring him to your confirmation retreat. Uh, uh, yeah. You're doing good work, man. So keep it up. It's great meeting you. Great having you on the yeah, show. Thanks, and uh, yeah. stay in touch because, you know, we'll bring you back. <laughs> definitely will. It was my pleasure to be here with you. And, and I really appreciate all the work you guys are doing. And you'll definitely be in, in my prayers. Thank you. You too. So Tim Margiotta, here now he is with uh, another song from his album, Make a Venture. The song is titled Gambler. There is a question that most themselves sometimes what is the purpose of my life well in order to answer this and in order to help you realize listen up 
We're listening to Tim Margiotta's song, Gambler. And that will take us to the end of our program this week. If you missed any portion of this program, remember that you can stream or podcast all Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And you can also check for the links to our artists or guests at that same website. To learn more about what we do here at Salt and Light, go to saltandlighttv.org. And to follow us closer, look for us on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. We cannot do this work without your support and your prayers. So thank you and God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Because